Welcome to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to people who want to speak more as a way to build their income and grow their business. Well, welcome everyone to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Inner Circle Mastermind. That's a year-long program that we run for speakers who really want to scale their businesses. It's a small group. Now, I should tell you that we meet twice per month as a group and that you get quarterly private coaching calls with me and on and on and on in terms of the features of the group. But what you might be more interested in is the results of our current group. So let me just brag on them for a minute or two, if you will indulge me. One of our members, we've only been together for six months, and one of our members just booked her first 20K speech. Um, I don't think that would have happened without the clarity of her lane and a lot of the features that she's put in place since then, new website, etc. Several of our members have published books this year, and I have loved seeing the sharing going on on best practices, on uh, book launches and things like that. All of our members have raised their fees. Our fee range now is somewhere between $7,500 and $15K. All of our members are putting systems in place that will allow them to get to the next level. And the bottom line on the Inner Circle Mastermind is that accountability in our monthly calls is built in. And that is what is keeping that focused hustle going. Now, if you would like to know more about that, just drop me a line, jane at speakerlauncher.com, and I'll send you over details and the application. Today, we're talking about something that is going to make building your business so much easier, and that is spinoff. Our podcast is called Platform and Business Skills That Result in Spinoff, and our fabulous guest expert is Walter Bond. Welcome, Walter. Welcome, welcome. I'm I'm very thrilled and excited to be a part of, of your program today. Let me share with uh, everybody what your kind of formal bio is, but we're going to be digging a little deeper. Uh, Walter is a Hall of Fame business speaker who focuses on peak performance and creating championship teams. A former Big Ten and NBA basketball player, Walter has executed the daily habits and skills needed to win in the game of business. In addition to having success in sports, Walter has led a number of business organizations. He shares lessons learned from being a franchisee and leads a growing training and development business. He has keynoted conferences in numerous countries for some great brands like 3M, Domino's, Accenture, Boston Scientific, Hilton, and Honeywell. And we will actually post his demo video on the show notes page so you can kind of have a look. Uh, Walter, what made you want to go into speaking after your NBA career? Well, you know, the funny thing, Jane, is I always knew I was going to run my mouth for a living. Um, (laughs) You know, when I played in the NBA, I met Steve Harvey, and he had a comedy club in Dallas, and he let me go up one night. And although humor is a big part of my keynote, I started motivating people in the comedy club. And then I thought, oh, I'm not a comedian. And my oldest brother's a preacher, and for a while I thought I would be a preacher. And although sometimes I, I come off a little bit preachy, I'm not a preacher, you know. Right. And then I thought maybe politics. I don't even care about politics. So 
My college basketball coach, um, when I was 21 years old, I gave a senior speech when I left the University of Minnesota. And legend has it, it was the greatest senior speech they ever had. Uh-huh. College coach was like, you should be a motivational speaker. And at 21, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't even know there was an industry. And 10 years later, uh, when, my, when my basketball career was over, that's when I began to research it and ultimately uh, launched uh, Walter Bond Seminar. Very good. Now, uh, talk about the transition moving out of uh, professional sports, because not everybody can really just kind of pop out of professional sports and land at the top of the mountain. Was there any kind of transition for you afterwards? Like, I mean, maybe you suffered a little bit from depression because you're going from all this glory, right? Yeah, I wouldn't say I was depressed, but I would admit I was lost. Mm-hmm. You know, when you play pro sports, I don't care what it is. If you make it to the pro level, I mean, you're incredibly focused. I mean, you have just like great habits, great rituals, and you really don't have a chance to develop other skill sets. So the disadvantage of it is once you're done, yeah. you have no other skill. And so at 30 years old, I, have a, I had a wife and three kids, and literally, mm-hmm. It was time to transition, and I didn't know what. I didn't know what to do. I didn't really know what else I was good at because it takes that kind of commitment and focus, mm. you know, to make it to the highest level. So a lot of times the general public is very tough on athletes because when their career is over, they act like, like you should just have this seamless transition and move right to the next phase when that's right. not realistic because the people who didn't make it didn't have the focus. And it was easier for them to move on to sales or business or leadership because they weren't completely sold out to the sport. So those of us who went all in for the NBA, mm-hmm. NFL, hockey, it took that kind of commitment. So the, right. the, the advantage of it is that you made it, but the disadvantage of it is that you are not really balanced as it relates to life after sport. And would you say that, I think you've probably experienced this in speaking as well, or seen it happen, that you can lose your identity, like you kind of attach something to your name, and then once that shifts or changes, you can get a little bit uh, lost. You, you can, and that's very common in sports. And I give my parents credit. You know, I, I grew up in a home where my parents were college educated, they were teachers, and sports was kept in this right perspective. You know, mm-hmm. my, my family, you know, we had a major league baseball player in my family. My sister played ball. My dad played ball. So we came from a very athletic family that was really into education as well. So my house was like, wow, really good game today. How's school? Yeah. Oh, and wow. Perspective. Tomorrow, But, you know, don't forget you have a test Friday. So it was yeah. always that balance. that balance where sports never got a chance to overtake me overwhelm me yeah. and unfortunately you know that's what you see a lot of sports that I'm a hockey player yeah and that's how I see myself I'm a basketball player you know I felt like I was a successful person who happened to be really good in basketball and so when basketball ended although it was a little bit of a transition I was confident I could do something else my biggest dilemma was what right not that I could not be successful it was like what do I want to do that I love as much as playing basketball so you went on and you became a commentator for basketball for a period of time. And then, then did the requests start coming organically or did you say, hmm, speaking? 
Yes and no. I mean, I, I, I got hired to do radio for the Minnesota Timberwolves. And to be perfectly transparent and honest, I hated it. You know, <laughs> I hated being an NBA broadcaster. And here's the reality. I'm sure all your speakers will relate to this. I'm not a good participant. You know, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not a good spectator. I'm a very uh, good participant. I see. When I was broadcasting, I felt like I was a spectator. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm not a good spectator. And when you speak, you know, you're the participant, right? And so that void of being able to perform and entertain, I think, was the real genesis to why I didn't enjoy, you know, being a broadcaster because you have to watch somebody else perform. Right. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm an entertainer. I'm a performer. I'm a horrible spectator. And in those three years um, after sports, I realized that, that I got to get back on stage. I got to get back on my platform. And as uh, all your speakers know, there's no greater feeling than having a microphone and a thousand people, 2,000 mm -hmm. or even 500 listening to every word. And I found home and broadcasting was a great transition, but I am wired and built like all your speakers to do exactly what I do. Get on that platform. Now, uh, when you first started out, did it take you a while to pick your lane or because you had that athletic background, was it always about performance? Well, you know, a big part of what I teach at my events are about excuses and the, the development of becoming an NBA player is very similar to becoming a Hall of Fame speaker. I mean, so it's almost like they're parallel tracks. And the one advantage I did have, Jane, was that although I didn't have a lot of money when I retired from the NBA, I had the mindset. And one thing I had to overcome in my basketball career were excuses. You know, I never started in college. I came off the bench. And initially, I had excuses, you know. And I didn't realize they were excuses. They were my truth. They were my reality. And I had to overcome my excuses in order to get to the NBA. And so that's why my book, All But Stink, is so popular. That's why our online training is so popular. I teach anybody, the genesis of your next level is really eliminating the excuses. And sometimes I'm telling you, these excuses kind of live deep in our subconscious. We might say, well, you know, he's a Hall of Fame speaker because he played in the NBA. Right. Well, no, there's a lot of Hall of Fame speakers that didn't play in the NBA. Well, he's a Hall of Fame speaker because, you know, um, he's tall. You know, we got some Hall of Fame speakers that are five three, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm a female. Well, we have female Hall of Fame speakers. Well, you know, I'm 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 white. Well, we have white Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> and the excuses go on and on, and until, and I have them. You know, so I'm not being critical. I understand how we can justify where we are and make it make sense to us. And so a big part of our coaching program, whether it's for other speakers or whether it's for corporate professionals, is like we got to dig deep and get these excuses out the way first. Mm -hmm. Because if you believe these excuses, this coaching program is a waste of your time. If you believe these excuses, you're not going to get to your next level. You're ineligible. You're disqualified. Right. And so in our coaching programs, we teach people, well, what's your excuse? And, and almost not that you have some. It's almost like what excuse have you used to justify you not starting your speaking business? Right. What excuse have you used to justify not creating a new keynote? What excuse have you used to justify not paying you, Jane, to be in your coaching program? Right. right? Well, and, 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 and once we eliminate those excuses, typically that person becomes eligible to get to their next level. 
I like it a lot. That's really uh, good information for people to digest. We're talking about spinoff business here today, but there's a whole lot of things that lead up to getting spinoff. And the very first step is getting rid of the excuses so that you can take that next step. And so I really believe, and you've probably uh, adopted this as well, that the epic presentation is the number one way of leading to spinoff. Let's talk about how you develop your speeches and what you did to get good back in the early days. Well, you know, I studied the business and let's go right to it. Um, in order to get spinoff, you have to be good on the platform. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not a good speaker, you're not going to get spinoffs. In fact, if you're not a good speaker, that 60 minute keynote or breakout or whatever you're presenting can be painful for the audience. And so when I studied the business, I paid attention. And that's a big message that I share with fellow speakers and also business leaders that you have to pay attention. So in my research of all the top speakers, I paid attention. They had two qualities. And I want you guys to hear me clearly. They were very entertaining and dynamic and they gave great information. Very entertaining and dynamic and they give great information. So if you ever see a great speaker, if you ever see a speaker who's booked a lot, if you ever see a speaker who does spinoffs and spinoffs after spinoffs, they have those two qualities. They're very entertaining and dynamic. They can hold that audience's attention for 60 minutes and make 60 minutes feel like 15 minutes. And they give great information in that 60 minute period. And so if you are a speaker right now and you don't like your schedule, you don't like your calendar, uh, there's, some, there's some dynamics at play. Mm-hmm. Either you're not entertaining and dynamic or you're not giving great information because if you have that formula, it's a two piece sandwich. If you can marry those together, I mean, it's like magic, you know? And so my issue when I began is that I thought entertainment first. My issue, I had no content. Ah. And I knew it. I mean, I played basketball. Where did I, where did I have content? I didn't <laughs> even know what content was. So <laughs> I began to just entertain my audience. And I got spent on some referrals from, be, from being entertaining. Mm-hmm. But what I've learned as I've increased my fee, the expectations higher too. Yes. And so up to a certain price point, you can almost entertain and give a good time. But once you pass certain thresholds, the, the expectation is greater. And so at my fee currently, I won't even say what my fee is, the expectation is to be very entertaining, very dynamic, and also to give great information. Yeah. Life changing, yeah. you know, um, business changing kind of information. And when you can do those two simultaneously, you don't have to even worry about spinoffs. They're going to happen. And have you built your keynote kind of on the, uh, with the underlying foundation being your own personal story? It has historically. And Mm -hmm. if I can be transparent, you know, the, the hall of fame career was built on my story. Right. That's a great story. You know, my dad was my high school principal. I'm a city kid. Um, I had the underdog story because I didn't start in college. My senior year broke my foot twice and I still made it. I still overcome. I was the underdog and open night. My mom and dad were in the stands. And I told that story for 15 years. I'm Mm -hmm. telling you, standing ovation, people are crying, people are touched, people are inspired. And they got me to Hall of Fame. Okay. But now it's about that next level. You know, I mean, I get that I have skills on the platform. I get it. I get that I can entertain people. I get that I can give great information. But now I want something more. 
Now I want something different. Now I want to be able to empower people to get to their next level and teach them how. So, so now we're developing the how-tos. Yeah. You know, and and I've been the best in two different industries. So how, how did I do it? Now I'm able to really develop content in such a way that not only will I tell you my story, I'm going to teach you how to create your own story and get you to your next level. And for us, that is where these next 20 years are going to be about. The first 20 years were about building the brand and establishing the brand. This next 20-year run, I want to take people with me. You know, we created a concept called the shark and the sucker fish. Study sharks and sucker fish, you know that in the ocean, sharks are predators. They never stop moving. They never go backwards. They only look up. They can't look down. Mm-hmm. Sharks are incredible creatures. But if you do any history or research on sharks, they have sucker fish. And it's a symbiotic relationship. And the sucker fish has a job to do. The sucker fish job is to connect to the shark, but they must clean the shark's skin and make sure there's no parasites on the skin. So in exchange for cleaning the shark, the, the, the sucker fish gets a chance to eat because the sucker fish will eat the scraps of every kill and it gets to go on free rides in the ocean and conserve energy. And you know that some sucker fish live inside the mouth of a shark. Wow, I did not know that. Yes, which means that's why a lot of people quote Les Brown, right? They live inside his mouth. That's why a lot of people still quote you know, Zig Ziglar and, mm-hmm. and Jim Rohn. Why? Because they were a speaker that lived inside the mouth of their shark. Okay, and so when I developed the concept of the shark and the sucker fish, man, my audience loves it. Uh, we're working on the book right now. And it's really a relationship management tool, if you really mm-hmm. think about it, that everybody needs a shark in their lives. But if you're a smart shark, you know you got to take people with you, and it's your job to make sure your sucker fish eat and eat well. Right. And so right now, you know, I coach speakers, and so I'm their shark. But if I ever met Tony Robbins, I would be his sucker fish, no problem. <laughs> if I met Les Brown, I would be your sucker fish. If you're wrong. I would be your sucker fish. Why? Because you guys are great white sharks, mm. right? And so there's all size sharks. But when you see a shark, you got to know it. And you got to recognize when to be a shark and when to be a sucker fish. Wow, that's incredible. I love uh, that's sticky. So you've got something that's going to make people think and it's going to be, be remembered. And that's the whole idea. So back to the idea of getting spinoff when you provide great content. And, and this is such a this is such a gift for people who have been around for a while, because wouldn't you say, Walter, that after you've said the same story, like for the 500th time that you can start to get bored with your own content when you get in there and re-inspire yourself and invent something new for yourself, then you get re-energized too, right? Exactly. And again, spinoffs could be about coming back to do something different. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, in 60 Minutes, if you want a leadership message, it's my job to give you leadership. Mm-hmm. And one thing we can't do as speakers, in my opinion, is get paid big money and go and be a tease on stage. Mm-hmm. And the whole keynote is about baiting the client to bring you back. I think that's disingenuous. I think that it lacks integrity. If you pay me to come and give you a keynote on leadership, you're going to give it. I've got to give you leadership for that whole 60 Minutes. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. Hopefully, we're all reading books. Hopefully, we're feeding constantly, just like a shark. Sharks are always looking for food sources, right? So we should always be reading each other's books. Mm-hmm. Imagine if everybody in your coaching program just read each other's books. 
You know, imagine if you went to the bookstore once a week and bought best-selling books. You're constantly feeding yourself, which means it's going to birth new content, right? And so when you speak, we should be so full that we basically are just regurgitating everything that we've been eating to our audience. And they should be convinced, like, wow, this dude is so deep. That girl has so much information. Yeah. Oh, my God, I could have listened to her all day. Yeah. Now, when you build that persona that you can listen to me all day, you know I got more to share because I only had 60 minutes to run to my table for all my products. And this client is going to see how the audience reacts. And the client's going to say, oh, my God, can you come back next year? Now, yeah. one thing that I do, and I teach this in our coaching program, and I don't know, I don't have enough time to teach it today. I upsell in my clothes. What do I mean by that? When I'm closing a conference and I feel good about it, and I know that I'm, I'm the speaker that they're leaning towards and it's imminent, I get a little cocky. And I say, hey, listen, and I only do it when I think I got it. You got a fish on the hook. You got to, you know, yank and crank, right? <laughs> you got to wait to make sure that fish is on the hook, okay? okay. I'm all in the ocean right now in this season of my yeah, life. Yeah, I like it. Once one. you know you got the fish on the hook, you got to set the hook. You got to crank it in. So I tell all my clients on the phone, if you book me to be your keynote speaker, I promise you I'll be the best speaker you ever had. Your only challenge is to find another speaker to follow me up. And that's okay because I can come back two years in a row. And I do it in a cute, Uh kind of sassy, fun way and try not to sound cocky or arrogant. And I want them to laugh when I'm done. What I'm doing is really trying to close that deal, mm-hmm. but plant a seed in their and brain. The next one. You can bring me back twice. Minnesota Fats. Yeah, Minnesota. and I'm doing Jersey Mike Sub, for example, yep. uh, next month for the fourth time. Wow. Okay, man. we got tons of clients that are doing repeat business because I'm making an expectation and a promise. I'm going to be the best speaker you ever had. Nice. Right? And that's to close that deal. Who says no to that? Okay? Yeah. Who says no to that? And then I plan to see that I can come back a second time. And typically when the keynote's over, if I deliver what I promised, and they see their audience respond, they'll look at me and say, wow, you were the best speaker we ever had. Buffalo Wild Wings, you know, wrote me back and said, you know, you and Lou Holtz, you and Lou Holtz were our best two speakers. You know, I'm an athlete, so I'm kind of like, you know what, screw Lou Holtz, I was better than them. So, you know, <laughs> uh, but to hear them say that to me, yeah. you know, that I wasn't just blowing smoke, that I believe in the product. Yeah. And hopefully they'll bring me back a second time. And that's so, a yeah. smart strategy. So um, I was mentioning Minnesota Fats. I assume he's from your hometown, a uh, pool player. He wasn't always thinking about the shot he was taking. He was take, thinking about one Absolutely. or two ahead. And that's what you're doing as well, which is a smart strategy. Okay, so let's talk more about, okay, we know that in order to get spinoff, to get you know, four or five, six business cards after every presentation of people saying, okay, give me your schedule. I want to book you for next year or, or um, I want to look at you for another group. We know that being good is one way to do that. Give us another way that you in your business. So you just gave us a second one, which is you're kind of teeing it up before you even do this presentation that not only will I give you one great one, but we're, you're going to want to bring me back next year. What else? What other things are you all doing? You have a team of people around you to yeah. ensure that you are creating more business from yourself after one presentation. Well, it's a choreographed um, 
experience for the client. But here's the good news. You know, before you go and speak to the audience, they've already, to help you prepare, they divulge all of their weaknesses and their issues and their challenges. So they're basically handing you nuggets, basically saying, look, Walter, we have issue with our culture. We have issue with sales. We have an issue with buy-in or whatever it is. So they're letting you know, like, hey, doc, I got arthritis. My blood pressure is high and I got a bad back, basically. And so when you get to know the client, deliver on it, you should always do a follow-up. Right. You've already planted the seed on the front end that I'll be the best speaker you've ever had. Mm-hmm. You know, your biggest challenge is to bring me back a second time. And so the client should be thinking like, man, they love Jane. They love Walter. They love Dick. They love Susie. And then you got to schedule a follow up. You know, within two weeks of the conference, do a follow up. And basically, hopefully it goes like this. Like, man, you know, Jane, we had you at our conference. You were unbelievable. Walter, you were amazing. Thank you so much. You really delivered. You promised you'd be our best speaker ever. And everybody loved you. You said, well, you know, thanks for having me. You know, I'm glad I could be a part of your conference. But while I was there, I really enjoyed meeting your people. And I got a couple of ideas for you that I think can help you take you to your next level. I like it. I recognize at the conference that this is, and then you get into your after work, if you will. Right. Then you get into your spinoff because, look, we got more work to do, guys. Yeah. You know, that first keynote was just hello. Hello, Wild Wings. Hello, you know, Jersey Mike. This is just hello. This is an introduction to the relationship that we can build because I got so much content inside of me. I've been eating so much content that I got a (laughs) gut full of information that, hey, let's do some online trainings. You know, I'm building a sales training for one of our clients post event. So some of the spinoffs is not about another keynote. Some of that is delivering your training and development courses. It could be, we have an online course titled All But Stink. We encourage anybody to do it. It doesn't cost a lot, but it really shows you how we lay it and how it sets you up for more. Because if I tell you that you can't get to the next level without without eliminating excuses, Mm -hmm. they have a product that can help you eliminate excuses. So basically, in our keynote, our job is to solve problems, right? And so if you already know the pre-existing problem with the patient, our products are nothing more than a prescription that they need to fill to get rid of pneumonia. The prescription gets rid of arthritis. Mm-hmm. It'll get rid of a bad culture. We're going to help you get rid of poor sales. We're going to help you get rid of a toxic culture. You insert your topic, Mr. and Mrs. Speaker, but your keynote and your ancillary products should be the magic pill, the prescription that the client needs and the audience needs to help get rid of their, their issues. And so here's the biggest mistake most of us make, and I made it myself, okay. that we just want to be speakers. You know, we just want to get booked, travel around the country, get a keynote, get a standing ovation, go home and say, how were you all? I killed it. I killed it. I killed it. And it was an emotional experience, but nobody in the audience got real results. Nobody really were able to apply all the wonderful concepts you shared in the keynote. So bottom line, spinoffs requires us to real, really provide real solutions. You know, if you provide real solutions, you'll get a lot of spinoffs, referrals. You'll build, you know, a community where we're really corporate preachers. You know, everybody loves a good preacher, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I go to that church, I love the pastor. He can really preach. Yeah. That's all we are, corporate preachers in, in search of a congregation. When you like your preacher, you listen, you listen to them again 
Joel Osteen. He gets people again mm-hmm. and again. T.D. Jakes again. You 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 substitute your favorite preacher in there, a pastor. People love to hear their message, and they'll listen again and again and again. So basically, spinoffs requires us to be really good corporate preachers. I like it. I like it a lot. When uh, you know, when we we have a lot of new speakers enter in the market, what is something that you talk to them about the minute they arrive on the scene? Well, they have to learn how to build a business. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I'm training myself to do is to not even call myself a speaker. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when we just say we're speakers, we cheapen ourselves. That's right, because really you have a whole umbrella of offerings, right? Yeah, no, I'm a business expert who happens mm-hmm. to use speaking as a vehicle yes. to communicate and solve your problems through. So the whole notion of being a speaker is a little shallow. We're really problem solvers. And so when people join our coaching program, the first thing we do on every call is that you got to state your name and who you are and what you do. You know, I don't care what your fee is. I don't care how many keynotes you did. I want to know who you are and what you do. And we condition our people to make sure they're always thinking about themselves as a problem solver. And as a result of it, they're growing their business fast. They're getting results fast. And I think they're positioned to be mature speakers and to really understand that, you know what, I'm a business builder who happens to use audible speech as my product. And we got to solve problems. And so I'm always coaching my people on, okay, what problems are you solving? And how do you get these solutions out? You can get them out through a podcast. You can get your solutions out in a book. You can give your solutions out in a webinar. All the different mediums that we use. Yes. Nothing more than an opportunity. Because some people like podcasts. And I like my problem solved through podcasts. Some people need to read their solutions. So we need to have different mediums in which we communicate our solutions in. I like it. I like it a lot. And we call that uh, expert first, speaker second, because, you know, a lot of times you go to somebody's website and it's, ah, hire me, I'm a speaker, whereas rather than talking about the uh, problem. And actually, that leads us to a term that you um, you use, shifting from here I am to there you are. Let's talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, I got that from my mentor, my shark, a guy named Desi Williamson, Mr. Impact. Oh, I adore Desi Williamson. Well, well, Desi's a distant cousin, mm-hmm. and Desi was the first person that taught me the speaking business. I mean, literally, he sat me down like he's Mr. Miyagi, and I'm, I'm freaking Karate Kid. Wax <laughs> on, wax off. <laughs> it was, was I'll never forget, we sat at a Perkins in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and he basically was like, look, this is a microphone. Okay, that's the audience. Here's the <laughs> you know, here's that's what a bureau is. Here's a first hole, second hole. Yeah. So my wife and I were literally stuck to Debbie. Uh, we were just two sucker fish. You know? <laughs> and he taught us everything that he learned. Oh. And he taught me that. He was like, you know, when every speaker starts, it's kind of like, here I am. I'm a speaker. I left yeah. corporate America. Yeah, I did it. Here's my <laughs> website. It's all about me. Yeah. And that's normal because speaking brings anxiety. You got to get comfortable on stage. You got to get your message down. And every speaker is going to go through that selfish phase because you got to get over yourself. But here's the good news. We got to turn that corner. And the sooner we can turn that corner, the more wealthy of a speaker we can become. Mm -hmm. Because the real wealth 
is about us solving problems. So once we transition from here I am to there you are, meaning the audience is there you are. I'm here for you, not for me. And um, I don't know when I made that transition. You know, some, some might argue I'm still transitioning. <laughs> but there's some anxiety. I mean, 73% of the people in the world are terrified of public speaking. So for those of us, you know, we're like people who jump out of airplanes, basically. That the whole audience is looking at us like we're some freaks. Like we're unique. We're different. And we don't hate it. We love it. My God, I'm doing 5,000 um, on August 31st. I love it. 5,000. Can I get more in there? Can I get 6,000 in there? Can you get 7,000? Bring it on. I've spoken for 25,000. Love it. But every speaker goes through that transition. From here I am to there you are. And as I've transitioned into there you are audience and helping solve your problems, I've gotten to my next levels. And now, honestly, I'm not here for me anymore. I'm honestly here for you. And I want to help you get to your next level. It's not about I and me. It's about you and we. And that transition takes time. And every speaker's got to get there. Because once you cross over that bridge and the audience is who you serve, that's when the wealth comes. Mm. I, hope if, I hope if we have any speakers bureaus listening and they have some athletes who they book a lot, they will share this with them because um, even celebrities, even uh, professional athletes, when they show up and they actually know who their audience is and they try to apply their ideas to solving a problem for the audience, it goes so far. I think that um, more people could be coming from that from a service standpoint. And uh, it really blew, it, it's, it's so unexpected. You know, you think of an athlete or a celebrity, they're just going to show up and smile and tell their story. But really, when they take it to that next level, it makes a huge difference. And clients remember. And it's a great way to serve. And for any athletes listening, one stereotype that we have to overcome and we can't fall into it is the narcissistic, arrogant, self-centered stereotype. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, if we go out there and we're still in that me phase, here I am, and it's what every speaker goes through. Because you're an athlete, it's going to be a huge turnoff. And I've seen it. I'm not going to say any names, but I shared a, a conference with a former NFL superstar, great speaker, had a great story, but hadn't turned that corner yet. Mm -hmm. And I knew exactly what he was trying to say. I knew what he was trying to communicate, but he kept it in eye form. Yeah. It never transitioned to you. And he spoke after me. And unfortunately, the audience had seen a difference. Yeah. When we walked out the ballroom, you know, many people grabbed me and they were like, oh, he's a prick and he sucked. And he, you were better, you know, and it was like, no, 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 no. I'm not better than him. I just got it a little quicker than he did. Mm -hmm. And I would love to have coached the guy up because I probably was like that. And I know I've been like that myself. Mm -hmm. And I had to mature through that. And so even if you're not an athlete, you got to mature through that because that first phase is here I am. I don't care who you are. That mm -hmm. first phase is here I am. Yeah. And then as we grow and mature, then it becomes there you are. But athletes, we don't get as much rope sometimes because the perception is we're prima donnas. We're selfish. We're yeah. self-centered. And when an audience already has that, that preconceived idea that we go out there and here we are, it's a total turnoff 
for the audience. And I've seen it and I've mm-hmm. seen it up close and it's not pretty. Yep. And, and uh, they won't get spin off either. And so, uh, you know, not every athlete is worried about it, but some are. And I think that uh, if you want the path to getting spin off, you show the audience that you care who they are, that you care about their pain and uh, that you're there to try and help them solve it. Well, Walter Bond, tell us about how people can get in touch with you and is there something that you would like to offer up for people to uh, connect with you on? Yes, you know, what our website, you know, I would love for people who are interested to do our online training and eliminate their excuses because, again, as I said earlier, our best-selling book is All But Stink, How to Live Your Best Life and Eliminate Excuses. And I've learned in my own life. Uh, there was a time I was stuck in my basketball career because these excuses I had in my head were, weren't excuses to me. They were the truth. They were my reality. But I realized I justified where I was through excuses. Mm. And so we have an online course called All But Stink. Um, it's, it's really designed to help people eliminate it, their excuses. I would love people to invest in themselves and get rid of their excuses. I uh, just like on to WalterBond.com. And we have a bunch of products and services on there to help people get to their next level. And it's not just about being a speaker, it's really about being a, a developed person, you know? And, you know, our business, Jane, is always gonna be a reflection of us. And in order for our business to grow, we must grow. And so my focus really is on training and development. Because when I went to practice as an athlete, every day you're working on skills. Every day you're working on development. And the same thing is true in business. You know, I spoke to the NBA rookies last week in New Jersey, a lot of them reached out to me and now I'm starting to coach and mentor a lot of NBA ball players, not on the court, but off the court. Mm-hmm. Those same principles apply. Do you have good habits and rituals? What is your mindset, okay? You know, some speakers have a mindset that, you know what, I'm gonna make a Hall of Fame. And when I got inducted into the Hall of Fame, Jane, I was sitting there and i never forget, a lady came up to me and I'm calm and cool, I'm kind of laid back anyway. And she goes, wow, you made it to the Hall of Fame. Aren't you excited? And I thought about it. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Well, you're not acting like it. You know, my answer was, and hopefully she didn't take it the wrong way. You know, I expected to be here. Yeah. You know, I expected this to happen. I mean, as a kid, I knew I was going to play pro sports. My biggest dilemma was what sport? Is it going to be baseball, basketball, football? I'm a pro athlete. It's just what sport. And so in our trainings, I'm all about mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you think about in school, the A students and the C students were very similar. The only difference was an A student basically said, I'm a straight A student. In fact, mama got bought into it because mama wouldn't put that bumper sticker on the car saying my child's on the A honor roll. <laughs> Am I telling the truth? So the whole family bought into it. But the kid has to produce and buy into it first. Then everybody else around you buys in. Okay? Same thing is true for a C student. In fact, a C student can get an A on the midterm and they act shocked. And everybody's like, well, what happened? <laughs> you cheated? What happened? You know, <laughs> you have not behaved or operated like an A student. So now you get an A, you kind of got it. We don't know who you are. So A students in business first have the mindset to eliminate excuses. A C student is full of excuses. You know, the dog ate my homework. You know, I didn't know there was a test today. And they cram away. A students are totally different. Am I right or wrong? Yep. And so that's what we're about. We're about helping people eliminate excuses 
develop the right mindset, have good habits and good rituals, and understand how to operate and think like a shark. And until you can do all that at the same time, you're going to be stuck. And most people are stuck. So what we do, it's all about that next level. It's all about eliminating excuses. So to me, you know, we do have a coaching program for speakers, but it's bigger than that. I want to connect with people. And I want you to understand at any moment, you're either going to be a shark or a sucker fish, but you better not ever be a parasite. <laughs> Love it. Go to WalterBond.com and get in touch with Walter about that first step. Walter, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate you having be, having you on the show. Thank you. And you didn't say A, so I'm not sure if you're Canadian or not. You didn't say A one time. <laughs> I'll I'll do my best, eh, to uh to to make you happy. Thanks everyone for listening. And as always, uh leave us a review, leave us a rating, let us know that you're enjoying the show, leave us some comments, and with that we'll say we'll see you soon, wealthy speakers. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Speakers Show. Please visit speakerlauncher.com for your free wealthy speaker audit and visit speakerlauncher.com forward slash podcast for show notes and many more resources to help you catapult your speaking business. See you soon, wealthy speakers.